Psalm 80 is our text for this morning's message. Psalm 80. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, stir up your strength and come. Receive of hosts. How long will you be angry against the prayer of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in great measure. You have made us a strife to our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared room for it and caused it to take deep root, and it filled the land. The hills were covered with its shadow, and the mighty cedars with its boughs. She said, Bows to the sea and her branches to the river. Why have you broken down her hedges? So that all who pass by the way pluck her fruit. The boar out of the woods uproots it, and the wild beasts of the field devours it. Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see. And visit this vine and the vineyard which your right hand has planted. And branch that you may be strong for yourself. It is burned with fire. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the Son of Man, whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will not turn back from you. Revive us, and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. God bless the reading of his holy word. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that you would give us grace, that you would give us understanding, that your spirit would speak to us through this portion of your inspired and inerrant word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is a plaintive psalm. It's a psalm of calling out to the Lord. It's a psalm of prayerfulness during a difficult and dark time among the people of God. 
There are ebbs and flows in redemptive history. There are ebbs and flows in the experience of the church throughout all ages. There are times in which God blesses his people with peace and with prosperity. He allows them to rejoice in his blessings. And there are times when he allows his people to go through times of trial and difficulty. This is one of those times in which the psalm was written. Historically, we don't know exactly when this psalm was written. It's most likely that it was written during the time of the Assyrian captivity of the northern tribes of Israel. And so they had been given over to their enemies. And out of those circumstances, they cry out to God. The psalm is organized in a very particular way, and you probably noticed as it was being read that there is a refrain in Psalm 80 that appears three times. First time is in verse 3, the second time is in verse 7, and the third time is in verse 19. Restore us, O God, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. So the focus of this psalm is an appeal to God that he would cause his face to shine. That his countenance would smile upon his people. Which means that they were experiencing a time in which they they weren't sensible of that. It didn't seem as though God was smiling upon his people. Instead, it seemed as though God were frowning upon his people. These three refrains that appear in the structure of this particular psalm are not identical. And so you also might have noticed a subtle difference in those three refrains. The view of God as he is appealed to as it progresses through this psalm intensifies and enlarges. Look at verse 3 again. Restore us, O God. Cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. And then look at verse 7. Restore us, O God of hosts. Cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. And then verse 19. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine. And we shall be saved. It's the same appeal all three times. It's the same petition for the same result. But as the psalmist (coughs) pours out his complaint to the Lord, his view of God is enriched. And he sees God as bigger and more powerful and ultimately more personal as the covenant God who enters into 
relationship with his people. There are four appeals that appear in this particular psalm that I would draw our attention to in the time that we have together this morning that are punctuated by these refrains of calling out for God's countenance to shine. The first appeal is an appeal to the shepherd. And we see that in the first three verses of Psalm 80. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, who leads Joseph like a flock. He's calling out to the shepherd of Israel. It may be a little difficult for us in our very non-agrarian sort of culture and society to wrap our heads around this metaphor of sheep and shepherd. Some of us may have had some experience around sheep farms or other types of farms, but this was something that was very deeply rooted in the culture of Israel, and they understood very much what this meant as they called upon the shepherd of Israel who leads Joseph like a flock. There's a reference here as well to dwelling between the cherubim. You who dwell between the cherubim shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. The reference to the Ark of the Covenant that was carried in procession as the tribes of Israel were assembled together as they moved from place to place. And God was in the midst of them in a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire. And he defended his people and he was their rear guard. It's that that they're crying out for, that the shepherd of Israel would once again direct and lead his people. And so their sense of need in calling upon God as the shepherd of his people is to be turned from wandering. That's what sheep do. Sheep wander. And the job of the shepherd is to gather the sheep and to protect and feed the sheep, but also to direct them because left to themselves, they will wander. There are times in which the church of God wanders. We can see that in the history of Israel in the Old Testament. And the Apostle Paul tells us that these things were written as examples to us so that we might learn from them. Sometimes the church wanders. Sometimes the sheep are oppressed. Sometimes the sheep are scattered. Sometimes the sheep misbehave. The prophet Ezekiel brought a word of the Lord to the people of Israel around the time of their captivity, themed very much along the lines of our psalm. And it's interesting if we read these words of God from Ezekiel chapter 34, the picture that it paints of sheep and shepherds. This is not some 
idyllic storybook sheep and shepherd metaphor with white fluffy sheep and shepherds with you know their their little curved staffs like we see in the children's storybooks. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you've ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became all the and one of the because of mismanagement of the shepherds who were supposed to be sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. Verse 17, sorry, that's where I meant to read. And as for you, O my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I shall judge between sheep and sheep and between rams and goats. Is it too little for you to have eaten up the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pasture and to have drunk of the clear waters that you must foul the residue with your feet? And as for my flock, they eat what you have trampled with your feet and they drink what you have fouled with your feet. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat and the lean sheep because you have pushed with side and shoulder, butted the, all the weak ones with your horns and scattered them abroad. Therefore, I will save my flock and they shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will establish one shepherd over them and he shall feed them, my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. So God proclaims judgment through Ezekiel upon the shepherds who were oppressing the sheep, but also upon the sheep who were jostling with shoulder and side, the fat sheep who were taking advantage of the lean sheep. It happens sometimes among the people of God that sin takes a hold and that we need to be humbled. We need to be redirected. And that's the job of the shepherd. And Ezekiel tells us who the shepherd will be. He says, my servant David. And you'll recall, if you have your chron chronological history in place, that Ezekiel lived far after the time of David. But he says, David will be the shepherd. 
He's pointing us to Christ. John 10, verses 7 through 15, points us to the hope that we have in Him. Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hiring flees because he is a hireling and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. O shepherd of all Israel, give ear, who like a flock of sheep leads Joseph on. Stir your strength, make your countenance to shine upon us, and we shall be saved. Salvation is through Christ, and through Christ alone. He is the shepherd of his people. He is the one who protects us. He is the one who delivers us. He is the one who directs and guides us. He is the one who leads us to rich pastures. He's the one who judges between shepherd and sheep, and sheep and sheep. And he sets us free. So as we sing Psalm 80 and we appeal to the shepherd, we ask him to turn us from our wandering, turn us from our lostness, turn us from our aimlessness, that we might follow him. The second appeal that we see in Psalm 80 is an appeal to the provider, and we see that in verses 4 through 7. Here the imagery and the metaphor shifts from the shepherd of Israel to the one who provides for them, the one to whom they appeal, the one that they call upon and who feeds them. And yet what they are finding is that the heavens are shut up. So after calling upon him to cause his face to shine, we read in verse 4, O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in great measure. You have made us a strife to our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. So the Lord who was to be a provider for his people is providing for them tears to drink, the bread of tears, tears to eat, and then tears to wash them down with. And instead of peace, a strife to their neighbors and a laughing stock among their enemies. 
God is angry against the prayers of his people. Seems an odd thing. But there are times when it appears as though the heavens are made of iron or brass. And our prayers can't seem to get through. And we cry out and we are not heard. Because God is angry. This is an appeal to turn them from their rebellion. It was their rebellion that put them into captivity. It wasn't, in fact, God who had turned. It was the people who had turned from God and who now needed to be turned back to God. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15. The prophet writes, when you spread out your hands, this is God speaking through the prophet, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as white as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel... You shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God set the choice before them. Come now, let us reason together. He said, you, you lift up your hands and you cry out to me, but I will not hear because your hands are covered in blood. And he refers to the oppression that existed among the people and their lack of defending the poor and the, and the helpless and the defenseless. And then he says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. But if you rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. And that, of course, is precisely what happened. And so now they are crying out to God out of their captivity in Assyria, saying, we eat the bread of tears and we drink Tears, And we are a laughingstock and a strife to our neighbors because they rebelled. The history of Israel is a history of rebellion and then punishment and then calling out to the Lord and the Lord delivering and then rebellion and then punishment. And then calling out to the Lord and the Lord delivering. You can see it rehearsed in Nehemiah chapter 9, which is a prayer out of captivity. And Nehemiah lays out the history of Israel in just this very way. Beginning back with God feeding them manna in the wilderness. And going all the way up to his present day through the times of the judges and through the times of the kingdom and then the divided kingdom. Interesting what 
If you go back and read that in Nehemiah chapter 9, what we see about God hearing in uh, chapter 9 of Nehemiah, as he's speaking about the time of the Lord, he says in verse 16, And our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks, and did not hear or heed your commandments. They refused to obey. Verse 7, Therefore you delivered them and in the time of their trouble, when they cried to you, you heard from heaven. Verse 28, Therefore you left them in the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried out to you, you heard from heaven. And many times you delivered them according to your mercies and testified against them that you might bring them back to your law. Yet they acted proudly and did not heed your commandments. And they shrugged their shoulders, stiffened their necks, and would not hear. Yet for many years you had patience with them and testified against them by your spirit in your prophets, yet they would not listen. Now we have the people in captivity saying, God, why aren't you listening? God said, again and again, I sent messengers to you, and you didn't listen. So they are in rebellion and in distress, and now they are crying out to God, O Lord of hosts, let your face shine upon us, and we will be saved. Why are you not hearing us? Why are you angry with our prayers? The people of God sometimes need to be turned from their wandering and sometimes need to be turned from their rebellion. Rebellion against God and against His laws. The third appeal that is given here, actually on to the third appeal. John chapter 6, verse 35, directs us to the source of our deliverance from our rebellion. And that, of course, is Jesus as well. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So we are directed once again to Christ, who doesn't feed us the bread of tears, give us tears to drink, but who promises us the bread of life, so that we will never hunger and never thirst. Turn us again, O God of hosts, and cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved from our rebellion. Verses 8 to 16, we have an appeal to the vine dresser. He goes into a, a rather extended metaphor about the vine that he brought out of Egypt and displaced the nations to plant it, and it grew up, and it bore much fruit. We read a passage from Isaiah chapter 9, which is the story of God's vineyard, and His disappointment in His vineyard, and His judging of His vineyard, and it very much dovetails with this appeal that we see in Psalm 80, out of captivity. Israel was the vine, the vineyard, that God planted 
And instead of bearing fruit for the vine dresser, it bore wild grapes. It was fruitless. Sometimes we need to be turned from our wandering. Sometimes we need to be turned from our rebellion. Sometimes we need to be turned from our fruitlessness. Having been designed to bear fruit for God, we become a vine that bears wild grapes that does not please the Lord of hosts. John 5 verses 1 to 8, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. So the psalmist writes, Return, we beseech you, O Lord of hosts. Look down from heaven and behold and visit this vine and the vineyard which your right hand has planted and the branch that you made strong for yourself. So we cry out to the one who is the vine who calls upon us to abide, to dwell in His Word, to live in His presence, to stay focused on And He makes us to be fruitful. He turns us over my appeal in Psalm 80 in verses 17 to 19 is an appeal to the Savior himself. Let your hand be on the man of your right hand, upon the Son of Man, whom you made strong for yourself. This imagery is echoed throughout Scripture as a signpost to point us to Jesus. Psalm 110, verse 1, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Daniel 7, 13 and 14, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man. Psalms cries out, God, to his hand. Remember his promise in Christ. Remember his anointed one. And for the sake of his anointed, to be gracious and merciful to his people. And so he writes, So we will not go back from you. Quicken us 
and we will call upon your name. The psalm ends with a cry for new life, for regenerating grace, to be quickened, to be awakened. Having called upon God, turn us, turn us from our wandering, turn us from our rebellion, turn us from our fruitfulness, quicken us. But when he sees the Father do it, does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Quicken us, and we will call upon your name. Therefore, if you've been raised up where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, He is the radiance of His glory and the exact When He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. In Hebrews 12.2, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So as we sing Psalm 80 together, we sing it as an appeal to Christ to turn us. That we may be turned. To turn us in our wandering. To turn us from our rebellion. To turn us from our fruitlessness. May the Lord turn us again. May He turn us to Christ. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that You would be shepherding us, that you would be pruning and tending us like a vine, that you would be providing for us as our provider. We thank you for the psalmist as he directs us and guides us and gives us a framework upon which we can call upon you as a church in times when we have been given over to difficult times. May we draw upon this resource of strength as it points us to Jesus Christ, who is the Good Shepherd. Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life. Jesus Christ, who is the vine in which we abide. Jesus Christ, who is the man of your right hand. Turn us, O God. Revive us again. Cause your face to shine upon us, and we shall be saved.